0: Golf Central update brought to you by Callaway golf.
1: 11 time LPGA winner Lexi Thompson about to become the seventh woman to play on the PGA Tour. Tees off in an hour in Vegas. You won't miss a shot. Tees off at 419. Golf Central pregame at 4. 1st round coverage
2: at five right here on Golf Channel. Eamon it just feels like a big day it does and it's good to see that she's found some form over the last few mm. weeks she's been top 20 in her last three starts top 10 in the last two and and that's a welcome turnaround because she'd missed the cut in four since then and she's not exactly sort of competitively seasoned this year by her standards same and she's only made 14 starts on the LPGA tour all season when you compare that to say For instance tom kim the defending champion here this week he's made 10 starts more this year 11 starts more this year than lexi has professionally so it's going to be an interesting test for her and let's hope that she finds that sharpness that she's going to need yeah we've seen players
1: throughout history get bounces from Ryder cups and president's cups i think lexi thompson
2: got a bounce from competing in the solheim cup for the united states well another bunch of guys who've had a bounce recently damon top 30 players on the corn ferry tour points list they earned PGA Tour cards for the 2024 season, which for the latest group of graduates will begin in January at the Sony Open in Hawaii. Let's meet one of those 30. Yeah,
1: how about Wilson Furr, 25 years of age from Jackson, Mississippi, earning his first PGA Tour card off the strength of five top tens as a rookie this season? Closed the season with six top 25s in the final seven events, highlighted by the T6 at the season ending Corn Ferry Tour Championship to secure his PGA. Tour card. Turned professional in 2021 after four seasons at the University of Alabama, was a 2021 All Southeastern Conference selection, helped the Crimson Tide to a runner-up finish at the 2018 NCAA Championship. And fun fact: also loves space and astronomy and knows where he's going to the PGA Tour. And right now, with us Wilson thanks so much for the time congratulations you were outside that top 30 going into the final event how do you play such great golf when you want something so badly
3: yeah for sure I think I told some of the guys earlier in the week that I really didn't have any other options you know so it's kind of an it's a freeing feeling to me because you know exactly what you got to do and there's no questions to it so I knew exactly I knew I had to play well and I just tried to really do a good job of focusing on the small things that make you play well and nothing else and it worked out great.
2: That sounds great in theory, Wilson, but th- there had to be points during that round Sunday where you're conscious of where you stand in relation sure. to that top 30. Was there any point where you felt as though the stress eased for you before you hit that last putt, or did it last all the way to the very end?
3: Uh, it, I'd say it came in waves, for sure. Um, early in the round, just some of the tee shots are tough, and then I felt like I settled in nicely, and I made a bad bogey on 12, and it peaked probably right there. Um, and then, yeah, coming down the stretch, just some really tough shots that you got to hit. So the nerves from the shot and the pressure, yeah, for sure. But for whatever, it, it definitely never, res, you know, went to zero. But I would say kind of coming down the stretch, I felt a, a little on the calm side, which was great. You know, I couldn't have, don't know why or anything, but it was nice. Maybe well, not on 18 t shot.
1: Well, Wilson, we're, <laughs> we seem to be in this era of the sports doc Netflix, HBO Max, you did this one shot away on YouTube where they chronicled the Corn Fairy Tour. Did that help you handle your nerves, all these cameras in your face as you're telling your story?
3: Yeah, I think so, um, especially I felt like they were there through the highs and the lows of the year. I got to know them really well. And you know, by the end of the middle of the year, I never really never thought much about them being there. They were great guys and we had a good time being around. So I definitely think it helps with you know when all the cameras are on you and the crowds are there. Um, but I enjoy those moments. And so it was, I had a great time throughout that whole process.
2: Now that the Corn Ferry Tour season is over, Wilson, I'm assuming your mind starts to turn towards the PGA Tour come January. And I'm curious how you deal with the newness of it all. You know, there's new courses, new cities, new places that you got to go find to eat. There's new friends out there. Do you have any mentor who's already out there who can kind of be your Sherpa during that process?
3: Absolutely. I'm really lucky. We got a lot of guys from Alabama where I went to school uh, that are out there. And then, you know, just throughout the years, I've got to know a lot of those guys. So I'd say I know 30 40 percent of them. Um, maybe not best friends, but know them well. Um, and definitely have some guys that I'll lean on throughout the experience because I definitely have a lot of questions. And if there's anything like this year, you know, you, there's a lot to learn.
1: We started this conversation by talking about your love of space and astronomy. I'm a big fan of Jupiter and Saturn. What do you love about uh, <laughs> space and the astronomy
3: I just find it fascinating um, I don't feel like it's talked about enough I feel like you know with light pollution or whatever you don't really see the vastness of it all but I think my dad kind of he always talked about it when I was growing up and the more that I you know learned about it the more fascinating it became and you know physics is kind of on the front edge right now they're coming out with some new stuff so I just find it a very interesting topic and it's definitely something to pass the time on the road well, I hope you shoot the
1: moon on the PGA Tour. I apologize for the dad <laughs> joke. My kids get tired of it as well. Wilson,
3: thanks for playing along, and best of luck in 2024. I really appreciate you guys. Have a nice day.
1: Back on Golf Today, time now for Let's Go Touring, presented by Viking Cruises. Kick things off on the LPGA Tour. My star co-leads the Buick LPGA Shanghai in China alongside Wing Chee Michi. Thanks to opening rounds of 66 both players hold the first round co-lead for the first time in their tour careers as they hold a two shot advantage over 10 players in a tie for third at minus four coverage continues tonight at 11 p.m. Eastern time LPA just won several tours you can watch in action this week on golf channel Shriners coverage follows pregame at 5 p.m. Eastern time as noted the LPGA you got the DP World Tour in Spain John Rahm the headliner the SAS Championship starts Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on
2: Golf Channel for the 50 and over set. Well, on Tuesday, the official World Golf Ranking announced that Live Golf will not receive ranking points. The OWGR cited concerns about its format and its qualification process. We're going to dig in on that and more. It's time for a little media table right here on Golf Today as we welcome in two of our contributors, Shane Ryan from Golf Digest and Taylor Zarzar, who's the host. Of the starter on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio. And I want to start with you, Taylor. Live Golf claims that it's being mistreated or treated unfairly in this process here. The OWGR saying you're being treated the same as everyone else. You just don't meet the criteria. Who's closer to the truth in this?
0: I think the Pete Dawson and the official World Golf rankings are. I mean, I think that the interview he did with Ron Green, our colleague from Global Golf Post, he... He laid it out that they, if they want to conform, if there is a roadmap to qualifying for live golf and they had enough players playing in the tournament and they played enough holes, then certainly they are well within their rights to be ranked. It was very rare for someone that is judging someone's qualification to, in a way, sort of vouch for the level of talent that live golf has. And Pete Dawson did that. In the comments that he gave Ron in Global Golf Post, saying they certainly have enough talent uh, on the Live Golf Tour, and I don't know how anyone could argue that, given all the players that are out there—Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, Louis Ustais, and just to name a few. So, if they did play enough holes and play enough days, and there was a roadmap to qualifying to being on Live, not just an exclusive league that was invitation only then I think Phil Mickelson and all the people that are complaining right now are wrong, that Cam Smith too, that they would be in fact ranked if they wanted to conform, but it's pretty simple. They set up a set of rules that doesn't comply in any way, shape, or form.
1: Shane, none of us has a crystal ball, at least I don't. What's the future of Live Golf without official World Golf ranking points, but they do have a framework agreement with the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour?
4: Yeah. The first thing I should say is that I think I believe Peter Dawson when he says, you know, this is not a political decision. And yet the cynical part of me thinks that if the merger goes through, I wonder if somehow they'll find a solution uh, to make sure they get OWGR points. But yeah, no, I don't have a crystal ball either. I I think it's impossible to to know what's going to happen with this. It is a bizarre situation to have that much talent on a tour with without having OWGR points, but it would be a little bit bizarre too to give them OWGR points when they're a closed shop with 54 hole tournaments. Uh, it it kind of makes no sense from either angle, which is probably a good metaphor for uh, the world of golf right now.
2: Taylor Phil Mickelson had just reemerged on Twitter last night, alleging a fairly wide based conspiracy theory against the majors and pretty much every entity in golf to suppress live. Are you buying Phil's latest theory?
0: I, I, it's unreal the last couple of years just how much of an antagonist he's become and how many people he's been wanting to take on sorry about <laughs> <with> that <laughs> live TV <laughs> maybe with, uh, with a dog going crazy um, I, I, no I don't buy it I, I don't understand why he's now attacking Trevor Immelman and, and thinking that Trevor Immelman is necessarily the bad guy in this I think Trevor Immelman was right with what he said I don't think this is any kind of conspiracy theory to take down Liv I don't think the major champ Are trying to take down Liv. Eamon, if the major championships didn't want Liv to play in their tournaments, they would have banned them from doing so. They didn't. Those guys played in majors last year, and as long as they're still qualified to play in majors, they will in the
1: future. Liv Golf, one big story. Ryder Cup, Shane, another one. You cover it extensively. Your thoughts on the American defeat? Bad luck? Uh, jet lag, unprepared Friday morning. What's your big takeaway from what we saw in Rome? My big takeaway is that in the four previous Ryder Cups, the
4: home team won in a blowout because they dominated the foursome sessions. And you're not going to believe this, but they went to Italy and the home team dominated in a blowout because <laughs> they controlled the foursome sessions. So I, as a huge Ryder Cup fan, it breaks my heart a little bit because I'm seeing things now uh, from a fatalistic angle, like this outcome is written in stone, nothing's going to change it. And I'm the kind of person who loves to overanalyze every little detail. Uh, I predicted the Americans would win, which is a very sad case of wishful thinking and not paying attention to history that I just laid out. Uh, So it's yeah, it's a really sad situation in the Ryder Cup. I think it's uh, become a little bit boring, uh, as I wrote afterward. And, you know, there was talk of Zach Johnson. What did he do wrong? And maybe you could nitpick little things here and there. But. You know, the comparison I make is, like, imagine a tsunami wave about to crash on you and you think, boy, I wish I had a bigger raincoat. Uh, you know, it's like, it's not going to help. This is, the the tidal wave is still going to crush you no matter what.
2: It has been almost two weeks, Shane, since the Ryder Cup ended. When does the bitter recriminations portion of the entertainment start here? Because every time America loses heavily, there's somebody has to be at fault here. Is it the stars who didn't show up? Was it bad captain's picks? Was it bad captaining? Who's getting the blame?
4: Well, see, Eamon, that's another problem with taking the macro view here, is you don't get to blame individuals, which is part of the fun of it. So believe me, I would like to blame Patrick Cantley or Zach Johnson or, you know, the PJ of America. But really, I mean, there is nobody to blame, I think, except the vociferous 50,000 European fans that showed up every day, uh, which golfers are not used to because they're not used to playing on the road. Uh, and, you know, I think, again, I go back to this this fatalism angle, like nothing could possibly change it, but... You know, if you've got a good recrimination or two, sign me up because I would like to get back to uh, the status quo here.
1: Taylor, you want to buy to the Ryder Cup apple? Is the American side maybe too friendly after not being close enough a decade or so ago?
0: I mean, you saw it, Damon. They had the biggest beatdown ever at Whistling Straits two years ago, and it was a very close knit team there. So, no, I'm not buying that. I'm just giving the European team credit for playing outstanding golf in Italy. It's incredibly difficult, as Rory said, to win a road game these days. And I I think that that's a little, um, I don't think we're giving enough credit to the European team here. Having said that, I think there's a few things that the PGA of America is going to look to do to try to ensure they win the Ryder Cup next time and have a better chance at dare Manor in four years. And that is making sure that the players play a tune-up event if there is going to be a four or five week break that they are all together maybe a little earlier than they were in Rome. I think that they'll look at small things like that to try to improve. But even if they would have done that in Italy, Europe still would have won the Ryder Cup. We have to give them credit for the way they play. All
2: right, last topic here, guys. Taylor, I'll start with you. Lexi Thompson's obviously playing Vegas this week. A lot of attention. What is a win for Lexi this week? Is it results-based or is it how she handles the scrutiny? What do you think is a win for Lexi?
0: I would say maybe a little bit of both, but I do think that how she handles herself and represents the women's game is most important this week. I don't know that anyone expects her to go out there and have a chance to win the tournament. And if she has a chance to make the cut, that would have been an incredible achievement as she said yesterday. But if she doesn't do that, I don't know that anyone is really going to scrutinize her given how far she hits the golf ball compared to everyone else in the field. What I do think is important is how she represents the game of golf at large and how she represents women too. I'm a big advocate that the women's game right now has as much talent as we maybe have ever seen in it. And I think we need more people out in the front line supporting the game and showing that the general public, this is a game worth watching. And she's one of the biggest reasons to do that. So I hope she takes that plat- this platform and uses it that way. There have been some disappointing moments for her. I think, in the public in recent memory, whether it's been at a U.S. Women's Open or is it at the Solheim Cup a couple weeks ago, I hope she doesn't worry about the way someone asks her a question, and I hope she uses this platform to promote the women's game, because it desperately needs it, and she's one of the people that can do it.
1: Shane, what do you think? We've seen Annika do this, Michelle, we, Brittany, Bam Bam, Lincecum, what's the significance of Lexi playing this week?
4: Yeah, you know, I thought uh, Taylor put it really eloquently. Uh, I am curious uh, if Alex Maselli is on site and what he's got teed up to. But, no, I think, I think what Lexi's doing is great. I think it's, you know, it not only draws attention to the women's game, but probably draws more attention to the fall season of the PGA Tour than we would have normally. So I tend to agree, you know, when Annika played Colonial, that was a high-stress, controversial situation, and she handled herself marvelously. It's not quite the same now, but I think, again, it comes down to, you know, you want to see her play well, if she makes the cut, that would be amazing. But I, typically, I think just, you know, handle yourself well uh, in the spotlight and and reflect well on the women's game. And, and you've probably done your job this weekend.
1: She tees off some 40 minutes from now. Gentlemen, thanks for the time. Taylor, give our love to the pup. Yeah, that, dog, that bark
2: was for Eamon, by the way, <laughs> barking at Eamon. That's my audience. <laughs> <laughs>